Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about fighting back against mass shooting attacks. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com Firearm Instructor Network. ConcealedCarry.com is always looking for quality firearm instructors across the country to join the network. As a network instructor, you can take advantage of ConcealedCarry.com's advertising platform to fill your classes. Visit class.concealedcarry.com and click on instructor to learn more and see if it would be a good fit for you. Again, visit class.concealedcarry.com for more information. Today, we are joined by Dave Acosta from Fight Back Nation. Welcome, Dave. How are things going for you? Hey, thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. Things are great. Uh, you know, we're, we're busy and um, uh, we're, we're blessed. I'll just tell you that we're blessed. So thank you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes, we are. You know, well, I'll tell you what, I've had a good, uh, enjoyable time, uh, talking to you before the show and everything, learning a little bit about you, but for our listeners out there, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and such and what you do at fight back nation? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I've been involved in law enforcement since uh, January of 92. I started my career in North Las Vegas as a police officer and was there just, just under nine years. I spent most of my time as the point man on the SWAT team there and uh, really enjoyed that. Then from there, I, I went over to uh, Seattle and worked as a deputy for the King County Sheriff's office. Um, and then from there, I, I actually started my own company. I've, I've been a contractor in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, I had my own company. We, we did training contracts all over Africa and we still provide um, a lot of training right now. As a matter of fact, our company, which is a, a different one called U Tactical, Y-O-U Tactical, we still provide training. Our biggest client right now is uh, the civil police in Brazil. We train a lot of police officers there, probably about 200 a year. Um, so, uh, you know, we're busy with that, but on the side we also have a company called Fight Back Nation and all of the experience that I've garnered over the years and also the network that we've been able to establish both in law enforcement in the U.S. as well as internationally. Uh, we've created a, a program um, that focuses on surviving and, um, and, and actually overcoming uh, a mass shooting. So Fight Back Nation has really taken off in the last few years. We've trained over 7,000 teachers in Utah and Nevada. And the program is now actually starting to see a lot more demand in the, in the corporate arena as well. So anyway, just in a nutshell, that's my background. And those are the two things that we're doing right now. We're doing a lot of tactical firearms training uh, on the U tactical side and on Fight Back Nation, a lot of uh, training on how to survive a mass shooting or a school shooting for educators and uh, corporate clients. Well, that's really great because I think there's a lot of instructors out there that are either reached out to by schools, churches, uh, corporate uh, corporate uh, 
clients that want some help in building up defensive plans, but at the same time, the information that's out there is very limited. Uh, if you've got the experience, maybe you can roll your own course together. But the one thing, you, the book that you wrote, um, Victims No More, I thought was extremely interesting because you go along and really put put things together in a succinct way that everybody, whether they're armed, unarmed, young or old, you know, strong or weak, all can play a part in going along and reducing the chance of injuries for everybody else in how they act during a, a mass shooting, uh, as we call it. So, you know, that's why you're coming on today. One of the things why I think uh, listeners would be very interested in what you've got to say. Because first question I got for you, Dave, where does your concepts um, that you go through in the book, where do they apply? Well, so what, where that all came from, the whole, the whole concept of the book was that, um, you know, 90%, over 90% of the people that are present during a mass shooting, um, historically have been unarmed and, um, these shooters have success. And, and, you know, I, I say that, you know, using air quotes, but you know, the way from their point of view, if it's considered a mass shooting, which is four people or more shot in one location in the same incident qualifies it as a mass shooting. You know, those guys are successful if, you know, if they gain some notoriety from their shooting. Now, if um, nobody is, is fighting back uh, and everybody's unarmed, these guys are in control. So that's kind of where this whole thing started. I, I just felt like maybe people that were not armed felt like they had no chance and they had no option. And, you know, in the beginning of the book, I talk about flight 93, you know, on, on nine 11. And, uh, you know, I talk about how two planes hit the twin towers in New York and a third plane hit the Pentagon. But that fourth plane, those people had an idea of what was going on. They, they'd been made aware and untrained and unarmed. They killed those terrorists. They stood up and they fought back. And yeah, maybe it cost them their lives, but they saved an unknown amount of people on the ground. And so, you know, it was that concept of, hey, just be willing to do something, be willing to fight back. And also at that point, I wanted to introduce some techniques that are extremely um, effective in how to disarm somebody if you catch them by surprise and just know that you don't have to just give up. You don't have to just huddle and accept that the guy with the gun is going to win. So that's kind of where the concept came from. Um, and I put it in a book so that, you know, people across the nation would know if they found themselves in a worst case scenario, that as long as they're willing, they could fight back and they could succeed against an active shooter. That's, Hopefully uh, that's, that answered the question. Yeah. I, I thought that was, that was really good because um, again, most of instructors out there or most people these days have probably been exposed to your Alice training, your run, hide fight, um, type of training and other forms of, um, of training, you know, lockdown, you know, whatever the training is. But one thing that I took away from reading your book, it takes a completely different angle on things because it's not just a, you know, you know, run, hide fight. It, or the or the Alice um, approach to it. It goes a little bit further in that it you can actually you go through specific techniques on how to disarm 
you know, a would-be shooter. You go along, talk about, you know, getting key information for the first responders who might be coming so they understand whether they're going up against pistols, rifles, one person, two people, or, you know, you know, what do they look like? Where are they at? Where are they heading to? Those types of pieces of information that, you know, quite honestly, I hadn't seen before put together in, into a book or into a training course. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you bringing that up right now because, um, you know, probably this audience is one of the most educated audiences I'll ever, you know, do a podcast for. Um, but th- as far as firearms go, and they understand that, you know, as, as a, a police officer, you're going to respond differently if you're getting what you believe is really good information. And they're saying he has two handguns versus, hey, he has a rifle. You know, we all know that that rifle means that that guy likely, any idiot, can shoot fairly accurately down the long hallway of a school with a Mm -hmm. rifle. Also, ballistically speaking, you know, body armor, traditional police body armor is not going to stop a two two three or a seven six two round. So, you know, those officers, if they know ahead of time, hey, man, I need to take the extra 10 seconds to throw on my tack vest or the extra 10 seconds to unlock my AR, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. So let's give them all the information they need to go in there with the right equipment. Yeah, because if you're there, you know, you're one of the, one of the people that are unlucky enough to be uh, there during the attack. You've got a couple minutes before even the fastest, you know, uh, police officer can arrive. <laughs> Because they're either going to have to run down the hall because they're at the other end of the building. They're going to have to drive there. They're going to have to do those. And that's where, you know, giving, giving you know, the civilians something they can do. And teachers, um, you know, everybody, uh, yeah. different jobs. Who, who would you say that this applies to, you know, uh, your training and such that you talk about? Uh, it applies to, to everybody. Now, right now, our biggest clients have been school districts here in Utah. Um, you know, we're talking to some, some people in southern Nevada, you know. Uh, as well, but it, it applies to everybody because there's no way you or I or any anyone in our family can predict if they will be present during a mass shooting. I mean, think of the people in Texas that were at Walmart minding their own business, you know, um, and I could name a bunch of different places, you know, even at church. So the concepts in the book apply or are applicable to all of us in any location. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just real, they're basic fundamentals of what you can do to survive, which, you know, again, let's come back to this audience. You and I were talking before the podcast, of how important it is for us as firearms instructors to all be on the same page with the fundamentals. You know, um, it's important that we're, we're all teaching a proper grip. We're all mm-hmm. teaching, you know, the fundamentals of how a gun functions so people can understand what you're teaching them when you're talking about recoil management. So it is, it is important that we, you know, we, we all have an understanding of the fundamentals of how to survive a mass shooting. So it applies to, to really anybody that could find themselves, whether it's a workplace shooting or at a church or at a school, the fundamentals or a shopping uh, mall. all apply. You know, and, and any, anything, you or know, the shopping like mall. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, a, it's an unfortunate fact of, of modern day life that you, if you're around any group of people, it could turn into a mass shooting. 
you know, even if you, even if you're waiting in line outside of a Starbucks, if somebody gets pissed off enough that, you know, they've been waiting too long, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe something's going to happen. And those are things that people need to keep in mind. There's no guarantees when it comes to when, when somebody's going to snap. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. You, you totally nailed it. There's no guarantee as to when, where, or even why. So let's just all be prepared and have, you know, have an understanding of what we need to do or what we can do to, to win. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, bottom line. I was relating to you before the podcast also, as we were, uh, talking about it, that a lot of teachers that I know they've gone through the run, hide fight or Alice training, or just training overall for what to do in their schools, never get trained on how to handle the firearm. And what I mean by that is not how to shoot, because that's a whole other topic that is very politically charged. We all understand. But how do they sure. handle it if somebody, if they're able to surprise somebody um, with a handgun, with a long gun, different things like that? Can you give us a little bit about you know what you've found along those those lines? Yeah. Wow. That, you know what, Rob? That's a really good question, and it comes up every time. You know, just just a little background as I answer your question. Um, Probably the smallest group of teachers we've ever trained has been right around 30, 35, somewhere in there. Typically, we see anywhere from 100 to 200 teachers at a time in a training. And you have to understand, we're going to give them some information. And then we physically are getting on the gym floor and we have all these training weapons. And they, for at least an hour, are physically using these techniques to disarm. And they're blown away at how easy the techniques are because it's all leverage. I mean, you and I both know, especially with a pistol, really the only thing holding that pistol in place is is that dominant hand, three fingers and a thumb. But Mm -hmm. in between there is an open gate. And so we teach some real simple techniques that anyone can use to surprise a shooter and, and gain control. But they always ask that question that you asked. So many of them have never even touched a gun. That's why they're teachers. <laughs> you know, that's what they mm-hmm. chose to do is be a teacher, not to be a, a cop. Yeah, they're not SWAT so officers or anything else like that or military. Like, you know, that they're, no, they're teachers. No. And yeah, absolutely. And so they're very uncomfortable with it. And they're like, well, what do I do with it now? So in our training, we, we do explain some, some basic fundamentals of how a, a firearm works. And um, what we're telling them is once they've, they've, disarm somebody all they need to do is control the barrel keep it away you know from anyone keep their finger away from the trigger if possible and move away from that person with the gun and, and what ends up happening a lot of times is people are like well he's going to chase me or he's going to hit me in the back of the head or he's going to pull out another gun look i'm a guy that goes on statistics it's never happened not in a single mass shooting now have guys been disarmed hundreds of dudes have been disarmed why don't you hear about that? Because they didn't accomplish their mission of, of, of it becoming a mass shooting. So the media isn't going to cover it. It's not sensational enough. There, there's no no- but, notoriety to it. Yes. Hundreds of people have. have I, I was the guy that failed. Yeah. You know, yay for me. You don't hear that on exactly. TV. <laughs> so many people have disarmed a shooter and we have never had a shooter grab a second weapon and then go after them again. And here's why. One, one statistic that, that I think is in the book, something I talk about often. Let me just talk about Utah. And we're, you know, Utah is, I would consider us, 90% of Utah is rural, okay, outside of Salt Lake City. But even so, the average response time to a school shooting in Utah 
is three minutes or less. The average response time to a mass shooting countrywide for the first officer to arrive is five minutes or less. So where I'm going with this is these bad guys know the window of opportunity that they're operating in. If they were to come in a room and be ambushed by a crazy mama bear and all of a sudden find themselves at a disadvantage, they know that the the time is ticking. Seconds are going by. They're going to move back out to their to their backpack or their bag if they're going to rearm. So if we talk about Virginia Tech, for example, this is one example of what happens very often. Cho walks in and he's committing these mass murders. Now, nobody really fought back against him. When Cho ran dry, when he ran out of ammo, he would walk back out to the hallway, kneel down over a duffel bag and reload, which, you know, looking back on it now, I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking, but that's a great time for someone to attack him. They just mm-hmm. didn't know that they could. But where I'm going with this is traditionally over 85% of the people committing a mass shooting have multiple weapons with them, but they carry it in a backpack or, you know, um, or a duffel bag. So if you disarm them at the very, at the very most, they're going to go and try and rearm, but they're not staying there in that room where they were just disarmed. It just hasn't happened Uh, because they know they're dealing with that window. So they may go grab their bag and try and move to another location. That's what are some, typical. So, you brought up Virginia Tech and such, and that obviously, you know, yeah. somebody who wanted notoriety and things like that. But what what are the different types of shooters that you talk about in your book? So you have um, different categories of shooters. Uh, again, they still have a lot of things in common, but you you've got a, for example, a school shooter, right? They're going back to a school or to a school. Um, school shootings kind of have their own classification. Uh, but with the school shooters, very typical in that is um, once police arrive or, or they're confronted by authority, um, in most cases, they're killing themselves. Um, you know, sometimes they'll give up. But so that's one type of shooter. Then, you know, you have an active shooter, mass shooter. Let's let's say it's at the theater or, or the mall or even even workplace. Um you know, that's a little bit different for whatever reason. I'm not sure. But if they're not committing suicide when authorities arrive, they're engaging the police. So that's a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit different scenario. They're going to go out, you know, in a gunfight. And then the the last type of mass shooter we have is someone that is a terrorist or a, an extremist. And um, they do want to commit as much murder as possible you know, as much mayhem as possible. And they don't care if they're shooting women or children that, you know, the more innocent, the victim, the better for them, but they do want an engagement with the police uh, because if they could kill a bunch of cops in the process, you know, how much more insecure would we as, as a people feel if not even the police can handle this, but I will tell you this, all those SOBs out there that are crazy extremists, you you haven't ever come even close to taking out law enforcement. Our cops come in there and they smoke these sons of bitches every time, which I love. That pattern is going to cause a shift when it comes to those type of guys. They've got to know these officers are better trained and better armed than ever before in the history of law enforcement. And, and while I'm on this soapbox, let me, let me just share this with you real quick. I was on a full-time SWAT team in North Las Vegas 
We were highly trained and that is all we did was SWAT. Same thing with Las Vegas Metro. I believe even Henderson in Las Vegas have these teams that are highly, highly trained. I will tell you this, as I watched my daughter go through the academy a few years ago here in Utah, and, and I'm speaking, I'm generalizing because I know this happens in other states. She came out of that academy as well-trained, if not better trained to handle and respond to an active shooter incident as any SWAT guy I ever worked with. These kids are learning in the academy how to go in and how to run high-speed CQB. They are hunting these shooters down, and they are doing it without hesitation and without prejudice, and they are properly armed. Now they're coming in there. They're taking the tack vest out of their car. They've got an AR-15 with, with good optics. They are equipped and trained to eliminate this problem quickly. And, you know, I'm telling you, man, the better we get at this, the law enforcement has made, made the change. Law enforcement has evolved. If we as citizens evolve and we make these shootings unproductive, they'll stop. Mm -hmm. When they're not productive anymore, they'll stop. Just like these hijackings of airplanes have stopped. Who has stopped all the hijackers since 9-11? Not one air marshal. Mm -hmm. Citizens, regular people in that plane who've seen the crazy person trying to get in the cockpit have tackled them and taken them down numerous mm -hmm. times yep. side on, on them until they uh you know land you know until they get you know law enforcement different things like that that's uh very, yeah, very so, good point yeah rob and, and maybe maybe this this will help you know because you're probably going to ask this but i just want to make sure people understand where i'm coming from it's our turn as civilians to to accept responsibility for our own safety until law enforcement gets there but not stand idly by and hope they get there in time. No, no, it's our turn to train ourselves to be the solution. Armed or unarmed, I don't care. Train yourself to be the solution until law enforcement gets there. If we do that, and if we can evolve like law enforcement has, these things won't be productive anymore, and they'll stop. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that, you know, that's the bottom line. You know, I mean, you know, when you talked about you know, Flight 93, every one of those civilians was unarmed but they stood up and did what needed to be done to save countless number of people, you know, wherever that plane would have landed. Otherwise if they hadn't, hadn't acted. And that's one of those things where, although we don't want to necessarily, you know, have to give our life to fight, to fight, you know, what's the option. We either die at the hands of the bad guy or we die at the, uh, die, you know, by going along and confronting them, preventing it from happening. And that's, you know, one of the things where I know when I train, uh, civilians try to get across to them about the need to a avoid situations that they can, but at the same time, if you can't avoid Great. it, yes, get it done. You know that's that's uh, what what you've got to do because you know when all other options are exhausted, then you've got to do what you what you've got to do. You know, Rob, can I just can I just congratulate you on something? And and I don't know if this is across the board with with firearms trainers. Uh, I hope it is. But you just said something that, that really made me happy to be part of this community. You said that you, you are training them to avoid this confrontation. That is awesome. And I think this is where people that, aren't, that don't understand you know, this, this network, this group, who, who we are, you know, that they, they categorize us. They don't understand that you know, we're, we are being responsible and objective in the way that we train people. And we don't want anyone to get in a shooting. We don't want anyone to have to use deadly force to defend themselves. And we're teaching them de-escalation and avoidance at all costs. But 
in the moment where you don't have a choice or it's a worst case scenario or where innocent lives hang in the balance, if you have the skill set and you're mentally prepared, you need to be able to act effectively. And so I really appreciate that you said that, man, that, that, that's huge. Well, thank you, Dave. And, you know, that's part of where, you know, what this podcast is all about is trying to get, you know, more information out there. So there, cause there's a lot of great, you know, firearm trainers out there, but you know, where do they get, where do they get training from? And I'd love to say I could travel around all 50 States throughout the year, but I just can't do that. But I can put a podcast on bringing interesting guests like you on and, you know, talk about this. So hopefully get, get the instructors out there to be thinking about things. Let me ask yeah. you this, Dave, um, what training opportunities are there if somebody's interested in training um, on, you know, Fight Back Nation? Um, you know, do you travel around, around the United States and such? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if there is someone that, um, if, if it's the Fight Back Nation, which is the active shooter, you know, survival training that we do for mainly the teachers and corporations, if there's a client that says, hey, you know, we'd love you to come to Houston, for example, um, they just get with us. We'll give them our, our pricing and, um, what our travel costs will be. And, and we're happy to do that. You know, uh, ideally what would happen, um, because we understand what the budget is. And so we, we definitely are priced. I would say to say fair is, is, is an understatement because we're, we're really well priced. Um, but we've had schools that will say, Hey, can we combine it with two or three schools? I'm like, yeah, man, show the cost. So we'll go anywhere that they're willing to, to cover our expenses and the course fee. Um, we also travel, you know, right now, like I said, you know, we've, we've been in Brazil, we've been in Mexico. Um, we are already providing the, the uh, fight back training in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We've done uh, consulting for corporations and schools there. Um, and then on the firearms training, most of that is done in Utah you know, and that's, that's our company, U tactical, Y O U tactical. You can follow that on Instagram, but, um, we, you know, you're, we have classes all the time here and we have people that actually travel here to come to those classes. So hopefully I didn't, you know, yep. take too long with that answer. No, that's that. you finished up just right because wanted to, you know, for those that might want to come and do a class themselves, it sounds like they'll be coming out to Utah unless of course they can get a bunch of buddies to afford to bring you into, into their city to do a class. So that's, that's really good. Yeah. And I'll absolutely, Rob, we'll absolutely do that. We, we have had people say, Hey, we would like you to come here and do a training. And, um, I tell them, well, this is how many students would make it worth our time. And, and people have done that. So yeah, absolutely. We're, we're willing to travel. That's great. You started talking about the international training that you've done and such, which made me think about something. Do you have any success stories that you can share with our listeners about how your program, um, you know, not only, you know, not only stopped, but actually, you know, prevented things from getting worse out there. Cause I think, you know, that's really when you get down, you know, the rubber hits the road, that's where it becomes really important to understand how effective a program is. Can it be actually implement it in real life yeah that's i'm really glad that you asked that um we were doing the math uh, over the last seven years going on eight now that we've been to brazil and training you know well over pro probably you know 1600 students at this point most of them cops we we have 26 verified incidents um that happened after the training with different students. Um, and I'll just give you one in particular, one, one that uh, I, I didn't know was going to be shared. I was uh, teaching a SWAT school in Brazil and um, they, 
as we started the school, um, my instructor said, hey, we have something for you and the students. And on the big screen, they played a video of this young man, very humble kid. Um, he was a, a rookie police officer and um, he had gone through our training and just kind of um, just a side note, what, what we're known for is instinctive shooting. Um, we Everything that we teach is we're focused on the target. Um, and we go from what we call neutral position. So we're extending the, the firearm right down the middle of your nose so that you can go right or left eye dominant. It doesn't matter if you're right hand or left eye dominant, your dominant eye is going to find the target. So we're not as focused on the sights as we are the target. We want this to be instinctive because we feel that in most cases, and you alluded to this earlier on, you don't get to choose the environment or the time when this shooting happens. So if it happens at night, you know, even if you have good night sights, once you start firing, the, that flame is going to take away, you know, the, the, what you see. A lot of night so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be very instinctive. And so we teach this instinctive thing and it's hard if you're breaking old habits to just trust your eyes and your hands to work together. So that said, let me just tell you this story real quick. They, they played this video and this kid is, is talking about what happened. He says he, he and his group, this is a, about three or four weeks after our course, him and his girlfriend um, and another buddy and his girlfriend. So four in a car, they arrive at a concert. It's, it's at night. Um, you know, it's already getting dark, dark. They park. And as they exit the vehicle, two guys come up and pull guns and point them at them and are, not only robbing them, they wanted to steal their money and take their car. And he, he said in the video, he says, Hey, I, I was reaching for my wallet. I was literally going to hand the guy my wallet. I had no intention of trying to get to my concealed gun. I, I was going to comply and let these guys take what they wanted and go. But his girlfriend screamed and ran. So when she ran, the other lady ran and one of the guys opened fire on these two fleeing women. He doesn't remember drawing his gun. He says he turned towards the, the guy that had started to shoot, which was about four feet from him. Um, he fired what he thought was one shot. And then he turned to the second guy who was now running in front of him towards the girls. Now, that guy wasn't running towards the girls to catch them. He was just trying to get out of the way of the shooting. And he raised his gun to return fire. When it was all said and done, he had fired two rounds at the closest guy, which was arm's distance, you know, about four feet. Those two rounds were headshots. Then the second guy, he caught him in the ear and in the back of the head. Uh, another two round uh, burst from his handgun. And he never remembered seeing his sights. It was literally point shoot on both guys. And, you know, we, our focus is seven to 10 feet because that's where most of these gunfights happen. And that's why, you know, I think in those distances, the instinctive shooting is the best way to go. You start getting out beyond those, then you have to go back to some traditional training, you know, where you are really lining up sites and things like that. But, um, you know, inside that, even inside 12 feet, it's going to be instinctive. And so that was a story that, that I had no idea was going to be shared that day. And, uh, you know, it was so cool to see this humble guy just say, man believe in the training. And then please, what he said at the end was when you leave this school, practice what you learned. And I, I thought, honestly, to, you know, Rob, that was, the, that was probably the, the thing that drove the whole story home was he said, practice what you learned. 
So anyway, there's a success story. It was, well, it was really that, cool. That, that would be a lot of what, you know, I know myself and other instructors are always telling our students about. And the one thing is you were describing that, you know, getting out of a car, you know, uh, co- going to a concert and then being accosted by, you know, ar- armed individuals that wanted to, you know, steal from you. As much as that was Brazil, I could see that happening in a lot of different places, even around the United States. You know, if you read, if you read, you know, crime stories and different things, like I think myself and many other instructors do, you realize just how common these kind of crimes are. And although they may not make front page all the time, you start realizing that hey, you know, crime is up. People are doing more of these crimes and and such. And if you do not plan for it. You don't, you won't have a plan for exactly what to do. And like he said, he knew what to do. Obviously, if he could have just given the wallet and have the guys run away, that would have been a lot easier. But at the same time, when it went the other way, he was able to take decisive action and probably save the life of, you know, his girlfriend, as well as the other lady that was there that night. And that's a a great testament for knowing what to do at the right time and being decisive about it. Yeah, no, no question about it. And, you know, I don't know if, if you're seeing this where you're at. Actually, I'm curious, so I'm going to ask you a question. But we in Utah have seen a rise in home invasions. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, Utah is a state where a lot of people are armed. So we've got some success stories, very recent success stories of people defeating the, these armed intruders. But we have also a very tragic story that just happened a couple weeks ago. Um, is this something you guys are seeing? Do you feel like this is a national trend, this increase in home invasions? Well, uh, we're we're at the um, end of May, um, since people will probably be listening to this, you know, uh, in June, um, which is we're coming down to the uh, back, you know, or re- reducing of the shelter in place orders around the COVID-19 um, pandemic and everything. And the, what I've been hearing partly from the news, but partly from uh, law enforcement people that I know is one, our homicide rate here in in, uh, Cincinnati is twice what it was last year. The violent crime is up significantly um, for it. Uh, It's not getting a lot of news, but at the same time, the police departments, sheriff's department, highway patrols, they've made it very well known that if there's not something, an active threat to life, they are not going to respond. Somebody steals your car, breaks your window, they'll take the report, point you to the website so you can make a report, but they are not going to come to your uh, front door just to go along and uh, take a quick swab of you know somebody's blood that might have gotten cut on your on your win- window glass because right, they right. just aren't going to expose themselves to that during this pandemic. And I think that's enabled a lot of the criminal element to say, well, as long as I can run fast enough away from it, there, I don't have any, anything to worry about. And that's, that's been a, a very big element from the law enforcement I've talked to that just makes them that much more brazen. And that's probably why here in Cincinnati, at least we've seen the uh, murder rate double what it was last year. I mean, that is a mind blowing statement when you, when you think about it, just mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So hopefully not a national trend. Hopefully when we come out of the shelter in place things go back to normal but as we said before even normal guess what there's home invasions on a normal basis there's carjacking on a normal basis there's robberies on a normal basis so even if we say that they're half what they are right now we still have to be prepared for those types of things yeah yeah that's great point Dave, here comes the secret question that I told you about before the podcast. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) I've been asking all our guests this year, um, what kind of books 
are you reading or websites that you're following, YouTube channels? Just what are you doing to further your education on any topic this year? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, Utah, we have a very interesting network here. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Black Rifle Coffee, but yes. uh, those guys are just down the road. Um, Evan is, is a friend of mine. You know, if he ever hears this, he's going to be like, well, we're not best friends, but, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, I know him. He's a very humble, nicest guy. Funny dude. Um, and, I love, and their, some of the guys I love have, their videos. <laughs> oh, dude, they're, they're awesome. And, I don't drink um, coffee, yeah. but I love their videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their videos are good enough to almost convert you. But um, so, you know, we've got those guys and some of the people they're associated with. And I do a lot with a place called Ready Gunner here, which is a really nice range. Um, and we're just all in this group here. And uh, part of this network, uh, one of the guys that I'm a close friend with, and we've done some speaking engagements and, and things like that. We, you know, formed a group together is Jason Redman. I don't know if you know who he is. He's uh, a Navy SEAL. He wrote the New York bestselling book called The Trident. And then most recently, um, he wrote a book called Overcome. And um, again, this is the circle that we run around with. There's a lot of good guys that are former, you know, special operations guys that have written some great books. But but I'll tell you. Um, Jason's books, both of them, one of them, the first one, he didn't write it about leadership, but it's what it turned out to be, the trident. I think we can all be better leaders, really. If we're willing to look in the mirror and and really be objective about what we see and say, okay, I could be better. Um, but then his second book, which is very recent, it's called Overcome. It's one of my favorite books because we all find ourselves at some point on the X, which is, you know, that bad spot where you're being ambushed. That's the kill zone. And whether it's, you know, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our business, you know, whether it's, you know, in our personal life, maybe we're dealing with depression or, you know, anything. And he just talks about this formula of how to fight through and overcome. Um, so that's, you know, that's what I'm reading right now. I just read it. Um, it, it those type of books that just, because right now it's really easy for us to say, shit, you know, what next? A lot, a lot of people, maybe you, maybe me, you know, we're entrepreneurs and that's a very risky business to be in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, COVID has just crushed a lot of small businesses and, uh, people are just feel like maybe they don't have hope. And, and so anyway, I, I like, you know, hearing people say, find a way inspiring you find a way to succeed find a way to focus on the things in your life that are good if you're grateful first wake up every morning with gratitude in your heart you can't have a bad day i think it's really hard to have a bad day and, and by the way let me just caveat this if you're teaching people how to defend themselves if you're a firearms instructor and your heart is pure meaning you're doing it because it's the right thing to do and you're doing it responsibly and you're you're trying to be a better instructor every day then you should look in the mirror and say, man, I'm blessed because I'm doing something that benefits others. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in a career or a job where you're serving others, um, dude, you should be able to smile every day because that's very rewarding and not everybody has a rewarding job. So anyway, sorry, that's a little bit long answer there, but. Yep. But I completely agree. I've got two grandkids right now and you know, I look at my, at my kids and say, you know, I've done a good job there and I'm trying to make the world a little better place for, you know, that, you know, I can turn over to do my children and children and their children. 
at, you know, when I'm no longer here. So, you know, great, great advice there. Well, hey, Dave, um, where can people find more out about um, Dave Acosta and Fightback Nation? Yeah, so I appreciate that. So fightbacknation.org is the website. Um, you can also go on Amazon and get the book, Victims No More, Fighting Back Against an Active Shooter. Um, as a matter of fact, we would appreciate that. Uh, we haven't really done a big marketing thing yet with that because COVID happened. And so we're, we, we kind of didn't want to be distracted, but, um, fight, uh, victims no more fighting back against an active shooter is on Amazon. So, you know, feel free to grab that book. I know you, you gave us a good plug about that. And then, um, we have an Instagram that's fight back nation as well, but if you're into shooting and tactical training, we post a lot of videos like real incidents that have happened and we break them down a little bit. Um, that is you tactical nation. So it's Y O U tactical underscore nation on Instagram. And we also have a website there that talks a little bit about our U tactical firearms training. So that's U tactical.com. Anyway, that's how you can find me. Um, if you are interested in having us come out and, and maybe do a presentation for your school district or your work or anything like that, you can, uh, again, go to fightbacknation.org, find our contact information there, or DM me right right off of Instagram. Mm -hmm. Super easy. And I'll put one other plug in. Um, I told Dave this before the show. I read a lot of different books on a lot of different topics. Um, active shooters, one of them because of just how big of an impact it is on on everybody's psyche you know i mean we're we're sending our kids we're sending our grandkids we're going to churches different places like that so you, you want to have the best training possible and be on uh on the most current information dave takes all those very hot topics that are political topics um you know doesn't make them politically correct but he weaves in between those to really put the information out there so even the anti-gun people i believe would have to look at the book and say you know this is something i can do the people that are, you know, in the middle should look at the book and say, this is something I can do. You know, I don't have to carry a gun to be a lethal weapon. I can, you know, I can go along and disarm somebody who comes in or, you know, I don't even have to go along and disarm them. If I can give the first responders the best information possible so they can come in the right doors, know what they're up against, know how many there are, all these different factors, which are key to uh minimizing their um the, the damage that they can inflict upon society so thanks dave for that awesome. uh, book and and everything because yeah, i think uh i think once you start promoting it you're gonna get a lot more uh coverage i like it well i appreciate that uh, you know i'm really grateful for that for for you talking about it and you know people respect you and listen to you and so that that you know i'm grateful that 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 you were able to share that and uh, it's been great being here and just being able to to talk to some some like-minded folks out there and uh, just share a little insight and a little background on, on what we're doing so well as, as i told you before this you know the whole podcast is built around getting current information out to fire instructors because the thousands of instructors out there that listen to this you know they're saying okay what can i do we're going to find the information. How can I help my students become more knowledgeable this weekend when I teach that class? And that's the whole pur purpose behind doing this podcast and giving them, you know, real life, actionable information, not just give, you know, a fluffy book review or go along and talk about this real cool 
gun or something else like that, but actually actionable uh, pieces that I can do. So thank you for your time, Dave. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, You're so, so welcome. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We got a few requests like, and rate our podcast and check out the other concealed network podcast, share this episode on Facebook and encourage others to listen and subscribe. Mention to them about the great information you got from Dave Acosta and fight back nation and, you know, spread the word out there. As I always tell you, if we don't get the word out, then people aren't going to have the best knowledge possible. If you have any ideas for episodes, questions, or feedback, please email me at FTP at concealedcarry.com. The suggestion for having Dave on as a guest came from that email. So thank you for that. Visit our, co- our sponsors, especially the Farms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Pass the information on to your students and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.